Thank you for joining us on the Our New Normals podcast. I'm Kim Devine. Traumatic brain injury survivors finally have a platform for sharing their own personal stories, obstacles, and struggles. We'll also hear from the different medical professionals, such as physical, occupational, and speech therapists, doctors, nurses, and more. Let's join in now to the Our New Normals podcast. I'd like to thank all of our faithful listeners for joining us here today. This podcast is now starting to go out to the many different states around the country. A certain NBA Hall of Famer comes from this state. As he himself says, he's a hick from St. Luck, Boston Celtics great Larry Bird. From the beautiful state of Indiana, please welcome Steve and Callie Minnick from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Callie, I know that it's interesting to the both of us, but tell our listeners how we first met. Well, I went on the computer late at night one time, and I usually don't use my technology late at night because it affects my sleep. You replied to one of my posts on our TBI site with your phone number and for anyone interested in helping people. I carefully wrote down your phone number before it was removed and called you the next morning. You were in college as a young woman and trying to further your education. What were you aspiring to be? Well, at first I was unsure, but it was after my TBI that clearly I I knew that I wanted to help people, so I went into art therapy. What happened that caused you to suffer a traumatic brain injury, and how long ago was it? Well, it wasn't recent. It was a long time ago, 45 years ago to be exact, in August 1977. I was driving home late at night. And I was going, I was out in the country and went down my road. Three miles from my house, a car ran a stop sign. I hit him broadside, totaling both cars. My neighbors found me, thought I was dead. And my leg was was even caught down in the shaft of the car, unscathed. They called my parents to let them know that I was going to be in in, um, the hospital of Bryan, Ohio. And they came to see me and found that I was a lot worse than they expected. My dad nearly fainted from my blood-covered head. My mother knew I was a head patient before she even saw me because she was a surgical nurse and because my breathing was rapid and shallow. So the doctors moved me to a larger hospital in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I live now. And on the way, my mother, she overheard the driver's assistant and nurse discuss my condition for fear I was dying because they couldn't hear my heartbeat or feel my pause for at least a minute or so. And so she placed my life in Christ's hands and remembered what I told her just two days before the accident that I no longer worried about my life because I placed it in Christ's hands. He was guiding and protecting me. I had just come back from a wonderful experience at Jesus 77 in Pennsylvania where I dedicated my life to Christ. I was with my Bible fellowship. They got to the hospital. The doctors were unable to assure my parents that I wouldn't be left brain dead until the next morning. My grandmother 
she was on a Colorado trip at the time, and she kept telling everyone that I was going to speak on my birthday. She called home every day, making long-distance phone calls. This was before cell phones, just to see how I was. Sure enough, I spoke on my 20th birthday, five days later from the car accident, to the Bible fellowship, my Bible fellowship, that came to my intensive care room and sang happy birthday, holding up a big card signed by everyone. When I spoke the first time, didn't mean I was all right. My brain was still in a state of confusion. The doctors told my parents that I would stay that way from a month to a year or longer. And that's the first miracle. No, that's the second miracle. That I actually came back to reality by asking where I was to my other grandmother who was staying with me five weeks later. My parents didn't want to leave me alone in the hospital after I was assaulted by one of the staff. A hospital clerk was restraining me to my wheelchair once, and I bit her. So she slapped me and pulled my hair. So that alarmed my family never to leave me alone with them. I had to learn how to walk and talk all over again. But at any rate, I came back to reality five weeks later. That was the second miracle. You had an NDE or near-death experience. Tell our listeners what that was like. Well, I don't remember much about it, but I do really remember God's hands. They were the most gentle hands I've ever seen. They reached out to me, taking me with him high above the earth. We were flying high in the sky, and I looked down and saw millions and billions of people scattering the earth. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know... uh, how can we take our lives for granted, you know, because he holds us in the palm of his hands. He revealed all of my experiences of past, present, and future, but I don't have any memory of them now. God is so great and powerful. I didn't want to come back to this damaged body, but he told me it wasn't my time. He had lots more for me to do. I talk about it more in detail in my book. At the time of your accident, What were doctors telling your parents and loved ones? Was there any hope of encouraging news? Well, I had a brainstem concussion. I was paralyzed on my entire left side. I had extreme double vision, torticollis. The attending physician of Bryan Hospital told the ER nurse that he didn't think I was going to make it. The ER nurse is my mom's friend. And I just spoke to her a couple weeks ago, and I asked her about it, and she said, you know, at 90 years old, I don't remember much, but that's one thing I am never going to forget, how bad that accident was. My recovery was rough. I had to take baby steps. I even fought with my baby sister for her toys. They were therapy for me. I underwent extensive program of physical and occupational therapy, and we didn't have any neuropsychologists like you guys have now. I had to rely totally on God and my family for support, my family and friends for support. I had follow-up appointments with our neurosurgeon, and he told me to return back to college six months later for the right kind of mental, mental stimulation that I needed. It was really challenging with double vision, uncoordinated, extreme mood swings and extreme fears. I thought my life was over. When I was in a coma, 
My mother read that you either wake up happy or angry. Unfortunately, I woke up happy. I mean, everyone on my floor at the college, they were so empathetic. And they thought, they saw, they saw me and thought of, that I see, I see beauty in everything. My sister, she was asked to babysit Corey and I once while everyone else went to church. And she was doing dishes and I came up behind her. And I just hugged her and told her how much I loved her. And, and she thought that was really strange, you know, because I didn't, I didn't cuss her out or hit her. <laughs> Tell us how you first met your husband, Steve. And did you know him at the time of your accident? No, I didn't know him at the time of my accident. It was, oh my goodness, 15, 20 years later. I met him at a health club here in town where I worked. Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself and what has life been like caring for your wife, Callie? Okay, a little bit about myself briefly. Uh, I've lived my uh, entire life in Northeast Indiana. I'm a retired operations manager, about 30 years in industry, in the management field. Uh, also, uh, for the last 20 years, and, and currently, I uh, am a business professor at a couple of universities here locally uh, in the different uh, types of fields in the business area, but mostly my uh, concentrations in economics and finance, and I teach MBA students. So that's a little bit about my background. Uh, as far as things that have changed for me uh, in my dealings with Callie, um, Callie's accident was prior to uh, my uh, meeting her. So she had a number of years behind her to, uh, to convalesce. And uh, a couple of things that, uh, that we have noticed over the, the years that we've been together is one is her walking and motor skills have gotten a lot better. Uh, when I first met her, I had her start walking. She used to bandage her feet in order to uh, uh, in order to uh, get around and walk and just be mobile. But uh, uh, I had her do that, and that helped her become a little more active. And being a little more active, she became a little more healthier. Uh, she was able to do a lot of more uh, other things uh, physically, which has helped her uh, over the period of time that we have been together. Uh, another thing uh, when we were first getting together was her eyesight. She had a lot of double vision, uh, some physical issues with her eyes. And over, uh, over the years that we've been together, that's uh, definitely gotten better be a little more patient with herself. She needed encouragement. Uh, a lot of those neurological types of issues take a lot of time to heal. That has happened over the time that we've been uh, together. And also she's a lot more uh, level, uh, a little more even keeled, a little more on a level type of basis, not a lot of ups and downs. She's worked at that. She just didn't, uh, you know, feel sorry for herself. She worked at uh, these types of things over the years and uh, took kind of small incremental steps. And she's really come a long way over that period of time since we've been together. That's great. Because I know 
personally what it takes to keep going. And I can tell you right now, Steve, it's not easy. What's the biggest thing that you have noticed that has changed in Cali? If you had to pick one thing, what would that be? Probably the biggest thing is is her temperament has gotten a lot better. I mean, and, and what I mean by that is she uh, is able to deal with issues, just life issues, a little bit better as they come at her, like it does with everybody else. But with uh, with her uh, condition, it's it's much harder to deal with. So that has probably been the uh, the biggest thing that's happened over the years. They've all been big, but that's the one that you really notice. Callie, has faith played any role in your recovery? And if so, how? People were praying for me from all over the world, and Jesus was my best friend since my hospital experience. I asked for guidance and direction for every step I take. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him, Jesus. Amen. I am nothing without God. Amen. Don't I know that? <laughs> mm. I recently read on the blog section of your website, about Psalm 23. What is its significance? Psalm 23 is very comforting, and I ask thought-provoking questions. God is here to help us and be our shepherd and friend. All we need to do is ask God to give us a second chance. So we should do as much as we can and be grateful. That's why I wrote Opening the Envelope, A Journey of Hope my NDE, found on Amazon. An NDE means near-death experience. My book is about my life experiences, my faith, car accident, near-death experience, and new work I developed to help people and potentially help people out of coma. And that's what I'd love to be part of. Everyone will find something of themselves in my book. God told me to write this book around 15 years ago and I said how God you know with my bad eyes and dyslexia an injured brain torticollis and pain and he said it would be everything that I needed I studied and reviewed under a glass end table on my family room floor now Kelly how can people once again get the book can you just repeat to us what the Uh, website is it's called OpeningTheEnvelope.com. You can go to Amazon.com also to find it. As a result of your car accident and horrible injury, you felt gravitated toward CTRA. Tell us what that is. Well, CTRA means con- connective tissue reflex analysis, and it's the analysis of connective tissue, muscles, bones, organs, and cells by getting in touch with the subconscious brain to find the best direction to manipulate the area of concern to receive positive results in the body. It also releases postural, muscular, neurological, and cellular misalignments without any post-treatment soreness and can be done over the phone. I want to tell you one thing. A student of mine was a nurse, and she worked in a hospital and took my work back to the hospital. And a little boy came in in a coma, 
she did my work on him and was the only one to get results and that little boy and everybody around her were asking what did you do what did you do and she just said i'm just listening to his body as i was taught i can i can work by phone conversations my email is tbi5753 19 at gmail.com. Can you, Callie, repeat that again? TBI 5753 Trust me. <laughs> thank you, Callie, and thank your husband, Steve, as well, for sharing your own personal stories and encouraging others to know that they are not alone. They now know that they have a voice and a platform for traumatic brain injury survivors. Thank you, Callie. You're welcome. Thank you, John. 
You can learn more about John's incredible journey by visiting his website at gracefromabove.org. That's gracefromabove.org. See how a divine touch of God inspired him to write his book, Grace, the ebook Does God Really Exist?, and how this podcast was born. I'm Kim Devine. Please join us here every Tuesday and Wednesday for another edition of the Our New Normals podcast.